there, folks, and thank you for listening. I'm Nate. I'm Joanna. And we are Stranger Than, a podcast about the misunderstood, mysterious, creepy, or just plain weird. This episode, we will be talking about voodoo. What is voodoo? Well, uh, it originated as an African religion, West African religion. Benin is known as the birthplace of voodoo, which is located uh, on the coast of Africa, on the west coast of Africa, on the Gulf of Guinea. It was known during the 17th and 19th centuries as the Slave Coast. Not a fun place. No, no. Not a good place to uh, get caught. It's like Slaver's Bay and Game of Thrones, except, you know, it was like real. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Slaves were taken from this particular area where they worship voodoo mm-hmm. and taken to the other areas, mainly by the French. Areas that they were sent to mainly was Haiti, Cuba, Brazil, and uh, some into the United States as well. They worked on the sugar plantations in the areas, which was not a great life. They weren't very well taken care of. Right. Uh, They were used pretty much to death. Not that slavery is ever really... Right, there is no nice slavery, but this was probably... This is on the bad end of slavery and the the badness spectrum. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty shitty. Where, like, at the high end, it's always, like, awful and bad, but, you know... Exactly, exactly. There's never, like, good. <laughs> yeah, there is no good. But this is particularly not good. These people that they took from their homes and uh, were sold even by others uh, in that area took their religion with them. They didn't just stop believing it, mm-hmm. even though the slave owners forced them to practice Catholicism. So they sort of saw a resemblance between their voodoo religion and mm-hmm. this new religion that the oppressors are, are forcing onto them. Voodoo is believes in one unknowable, unreachable creator, and there's a multitude of, sp- of spirits beneath that creator that for pretty much everything, mm-hmm. for the valleys, for rivers, for houses, for, for everything. So that's similar to Catholicism, where you've got God, which is the unknowable, unreachable being, and you have a bunch of saints that are saints of all kinds of different things. So there are connections that these slaves made between voodoo and catholicism so like the some particular spirit will have a corresponding saint did they use that um i had heard somewhere that they used that to um kind of fool the masters too like if they were talking about one of their voodoo spirits by calling it uh saint whoever the the saint yeah Yeah. (laughs) saint whoever the fuck yes yes exactly it was very clever it was clever. Yeah. It allowed for them to continue worshipping their own religion, but it sort of gave it a new twist to it, because they did embrace some of the Catholic mm-hmm. dogma as well. The ceremonies, they weren't, you know, the voodoo ceremonies, they weren't so much allowed to get away with until they became free. The ceremonies of well, lots of beating of drums and playing of music and food and rum offerings. Do you remember... Uh... I always think of, when I think of the voodoo chance, remember that movie, um, Interview with the Vampire? Yes. And Dude Slaves, they practiced voodoo because they were in New Orleans, so they had all, like, the white, they were dressed all in white and had, like, the chicken they were about to sacrifice because they were like, fuck these goddamn vampires living in the, in the plantation now. Yeah, as you, yeah. as you do. Well, that's, they do have a lot of blood sacrifice. Uh, usually it is poultry. 
Mm-hmm. All their goats, you know, whatever they have around. Whatever's handy. Uh, different spirits prefer different kinds of blood sacrifice. The reason for this the ceremony, or what happens during the ceremonies sometimes, is the worshippers, a spirit will take them over. When the worshippers possessed, I've seen documentaries where this happens. So the, the mm-hmm. worshipper starts acting different. Starts, the different priests and people around can tell which spirit it is that possessed them by how they're acting. Mm-hmm. And they do things like chew glass and they don't get hurt or like stab themselves in the gut with a knife What? and there's no blood and they're not, they're seemingly unharmed. That's creepy. That makes me think of uh, Indiana Jones, you know, when he like gets the dude's heart like out of his chest. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it was like he just reached in and then it healed over and it was just, ugh. Yeah, this... Although that that was not voodoo. That was not voodoo, but... <laughs> I don't know what that was it exactly. It still is not a position you want to be in, really. Right. Right. You definitely don't want some... Yeah, I wouldn't want to try that. Like, how do, how do they even decide, like, oh, I'm going to try this out and choose broken glass? And... Well, they never actually remember it. It's uh, the spirits are so making the them do this sort of thing. spirits are the ones that tell them to do that when they Well, the spirits are... Their, their body is possessed by the spirits, okay. and so they're... Uh, they don't remember anything, so they're not even a backseat driver. They're they're uh, passed out in, you know, the trunk someplace mm. or whatever. And uh, the spirits are are what are doing these things. And that's very interesting because, um, yeah, that that'll come up in something I'm gonna talk to you about in a little bit. It's pretty. It's 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 quite insane to see the whole thing. Like I watched an op a documentary by National Geographic. It was on YouTube. And that's where I saw the guy breaking or chewing up the glass. And I saw the lady stabbing herself. And they, I mean, they appeared to be fine. Right. So the ceremonies are pretty much the same throughout the different areas that they are, that voodoo is worshipped. The main difference is where it's worshipped. In West Africa, specifically in Benin, which was known as the birthplace of voodoo I mentioned earlier. Right. That's also the state religion of Benin is voodoo. Okay. So 40% of of the people that live there worship voodoo. So they get, you know, bigger areas to worship in, worship it in. Haiti has lots of temples for voodoo in it. Oh yeah. Cuba, they are worshiping usually in like a house or something because that's the only place they can find. Brazil has temples. There's temples in uh, New Orleans as well. All places that the French had slaves, interestingly. Mm-hmm. That's a basic history of voodoo. Now, voodoo is never, what they what I've saw repeatedly is that it's not something that does bad. Like, if you're practicing voodoo and you're intending harm on someone, you will get, you'll be the one that will get harmed. Right, so it's kind of one of those things where people are kind of saying it's a misunderstood Exactly. It is very misunderstood. Yeah. Not very many people know much about it, and they're a bit secretive, it seemed, because Mm -hmm. when I was watching some of these documentaries, the people were, like, touting, like, for the first time, we get to come in and see this. And I can see why, because it's, it's, it has a flavor of a very old religion of, of, I mean, and like most religions, they don't know when it started exact, exactly. There's no precise date on it, but it, it's got the flavor of, like, a Greek religion, you know, from the, you know, BC, it's just very, mm-hmm. uh, 
it's it's more of a lifestyle, not so much okay. like you're just going someplace on a Sunday. Like you're embracing all of voodoo, and voodoo is everything. Yeah, it's something I have to take it pretty seriously, though. Although you know, I know they say it's it's misunderstood, but I I feel like even those like Haiti, uh, yeah, they had that earthquake back in January two thousand ten. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it killed like. 300,000 people. I mean, do you know what percentage practice in Haiti? I think it's like 40% or something. I'm not sure what the percentage of is of voodoo practitioners in Haiti is, but it is it's it's probably high, high but, because but it's one of the main places of it. And it was, yeah, they so they killed by the end of the year, by like, like December of that same year after the earthquake, 45 voodoo priests and priestesses had been murdered at that point by the locals. Because there was a cholera epidemic that sprang up, obviously, from the, you know, poor sanitation. Right, the, right. You know, the uh, earthquake that, like, destroyed everything, and people didn't really have much as it was. So, anyway, people started getting cholera, like, left and right. and They blamed it on the voodoo priests. They blamed it on the voodoo priests for using black magic to summon up the cholera epidemic. It really does show how it's how it's misunderstood because if right, you're practicing voodoo, you're not practicing black magic. Well, yes, and this is like some a place where you know voodoo is very prevalent in people's lives, and even then, it seems like they can get the idea in their head that this is what's causing you know everyone to be like sick and shows what's a, what a hold that the media has everywhere. Yeah, America. or just you know even if in a lack of presence of media, like the cultural stereotypes that are just around for a really long time and people just hold on to them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. People just hold on to them. Like uh, somewhere maybe, you know, people aren't as educated over there. And so they're going to hang on to that as being the cause of uh, the cholera epidemic. It's, it's clearly it's voodoo, black magic, and it's not because of, you know, science <laughs> mother nature exactly a terrible, sanitation like a, a sanitation of bacteria that's allowed to grow and reproduce uh and spread to a lot of people so yeah it's just that's pretty sad that sucks pretty bad i guess just to... yeah i guess when you're scared and you're not really sure and you just you want to feel like you're doing something and so right i mean it was and you're even looking if it's for wrong answers to kill people because the fact that you're just People not are getting sick. I mean, about... But not really very much different anywhere. Right. I mean, never... people always want to. Well, I'm just glad I don't have to worry about getting cholera. Yeah, I'm pretty gra- glad of not getting <laughs> cholera, too. I'm glad, like, there's, you know, not a lot of cholera that cases in the United States. I could do without having that one. That one's pretty bad. I could deal with doing not having very many of them, really. There's no actual, like, disease. I'm like, you know what would be awesome? Right. Polio. Now, that sounds like fun. So what do you have us for today, uh, Joanna? So, okay, I wanted to start this one off with, um, with a lyric from a song that I found, and I just thought it kind of suited, um, the tone? Yeah, it kind of, yeah, suited the tone. <laughs> I think it kind of set the tone, I should say, for what we're going to do because I'm doing a story that, you know, is kind of at the turn of the century, and then this is a song about voodoo and hoodoo um, that was probably 
when I don't know, maybe like ten years or something after after the story that I'm gonna tell it. Laid on the dock, fell fast asleep, try to wake up, my flesh began to creep. Laid on the dock, I got a pain in the head. When I woke up to tell the truth, I found myself dead. I've been hoodooed. And who was that by? Oh, that was by Jim Towell, sorry. Sorry to not give give you cred, Jim Towell. Probably been dead. A good amount of years, I imagine. Good long time at yes. this point, probably. I believe that song was written in the 1920s or 30s. Yes, it so. was written in the 20s. So, anyways, the story that I wanted to do is the uh, the voodoo axe murders of Louisiana. And this uh, started off, the very first one in the series is uh, it's November 11th, 1909. In Rain, Louisiana, so a mother named Edna Opelousas, I know I'm mispronouncing that, and her three children that were uh, four to nine years old uh, were found murdered by an axe, and they had uh, all suffered blunt force trauma to the head, a single blow, and so uh, the weapon was an axe, but it was the not the blade side. It was the blunt side of the axe. So they just got bludgeoned. They didn't even get the, the sharp side of the axe. Right. They just, yeah, bludgeoned. I don't know which would be better, though. I mean, I... Not getting hit by the axe. Yes. That, that would be ideal. That's our best bet. <laughs> That'd be a terrible one. Like a blade or not blade side. I don't know what you call the back side of an axe. I get a choice now? Yeah, front or back. You get to choose... I still say no axe. <laughs> That's always going to be my choice. Like that, was that movie, uh, the one where the guy's got to cut his leg off? Oh, Saw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something. That's actually really mild for Saw, though. If you just had to pick one side of the axe and just get it over with that quick. I stopped yeah. watching those movies, like, after one or two. It just got to be, like... I'm pretty sure I only saw the first one. Yeah. I mean, well, after that, it's just basically gratuitous people just getting tortured for two hours yeah i would prefer a regular horror movie not yeah, really like, like something the... with a storyline and like something. you know i mean i can i can take really fucked up shit but it's got to have like a good story behind it you know how the expendables are doing like that 80s action movie thing mm-hmm. i wish they would do one that was a horror movie oh bring us back to like the slasher horrors like friday the 13th and what have you yeah Ch-ch-ch. That's right. That was good stuff. So the next set of murders that occur um, is not till January 31st, 1911, uh, Crowley, Louisiana. It's uh, the murder of Walter Byers, his wife and son. So three victims there, again, all hit in the head with an axe, the blunt side of an axe. And February 25th, 1911, in Lafayette, Louisiana, Saturday night, um, an entire family. Uh, this is the Andres family, Alexander Andres, his wife, um, whose name was Mimi, uh, son, Joaquim, and uh, just three years old, that one, and baby Agnes, 11 months old. So all of them murdered, so that's four total. And so... So what's that bring the count up to at this point? <laughs> so there was four 
and then three, and then four. So 11. So 11 people. 11 people. These so are far. all the same year. Um, well, the first and the second one were separated by a little over one year. Oh, okay. But the second and the, the third one, just like a month apart. Wow. Yeah, and it's like the, with the second one, the woman's brother is the one who found her, and so there's this guy, Sheriff Lacoste, and he's the one who's, like, leading the investigation on these murders, and, um... Upon getting uh, onto the, the scene of the crime, Sheriff Cost uh, noted that the man and wife and the boy had been brained with an axe while sleeping in the bed. And then the baby uh, was found in its cradle and uh, her skull had been crushed. So pretty awful. Did they mention how or did they just decide I imagine that it was, was the same. Enough? I imagine it was the same with the axe, with the backside of the axe. Just it was a baby, so probably just crushed her most of her skull so yeah pretty brutal yeah that's pretty, a, but, a pretty bit brutal. brutal the murderer had escaped uh through the kitchen door uh where the murderer had entered and so this is the these are like really poor sections of louisiana right at the turn of the century so essentially these are uh families uh, and these are all black families and they are living in basically one or two room shacks so everyone's kind of in the bed together or a couple of beds and yeah now did we count them <laughs> we already get so so now it's up to 11 uh of victims here 11 with the three yeah yes so uh yeah pretty fucked up all with the blunt part of an axe all with the blunt part of an axe it and seems then... like that's a weird thing to do I don't understand why someone would use that particular part of the axe instead of... And I guess uh, the bodies were moved to afterwards because it said that the baby had had its skull crushed, but then it was actually placed uh, beside the mother on the bed, so they could probably just tell that if they had been killed in one place and placed in another. Cause I oh, guess I see. The husband and wife were kind of placed um, kneeling in front of the bed as if they were praying almost like the husband had his arm around the wife's shoulder and they're both kind of like, you know, leaning forward onto the bed. And then the two, the two babies are put in front of them laying on the bed. Wow. So they came in, killed these families mm -hmm. and then they positioned the corpses, how they, however they wanted to position the corpses. Right. They didn't just leave them there. They kind of like, you know, propped them like almost like a, like it was, serene kind of a kind of a peaceful looking scene if it weren't for all like the blood and brain spattered everywhere so that'll really take yeah that kind of takes away situation <laughs> takes away from dump it right downhill <laughs> so on september 15th um raymond barnaby is charged with this murder uh detective or sheriff lacoste uh arrests him and puts him in the crowley jail and uh mr barnaby proclaims his innocence but sheriff lacoste was according to like the papers of the time was very confident on an indictment and a conviction so uh i'm not sure how he really became under sheriff lacoste's radar i think there was an association made between raymond barnaby and one of the victims because 
the one the crime that he's charged with is the more recent one, the murder of the Andrus family. So that's they what they pick him up on. Are that's they... what they pick him up on, and in October he's um, indicted, and uh, and then they have a like a one day trial, October twenty sixth, I believe, uh, verdict of guilty as charged. But then on November twenty sixth, down in Lafayette, number twenty six, nineteen eleven, Mister Norbert Randall, his wife, and their three children and one nephew. Um, were found in that murdered in their three room house. After so, he after he was put away. Yeah, after he was put away. So there's a whole nother family murdered November after he was arrested back in September. And it must have been done in the same way. Yes, blunt side of an axe. An entire family in the middle of the night. Uh, the only survivor was a girl who had slept over at her uncle's house, but she's the one who came home, ten year old girl, and discovered her family murdered. That's awful. That yes. doesn't sound like a great time to come home. No, that's not. That's not something you want to come home to. No, at all. No. Good night to stay with your uncle, though. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good night to stay with your uncle, and yeah, bad scene to come home to. Sometimes life sucks for some people, like really badly. That's true. Yeah. The similarities uh, was yeah the murder had been committed. In the, with an axe, it was the axe this time was found in the home and washed up. And then, um, again, is another blow to the head for everyone. The next day, Clementine Barnaby is arrested by Sheriff Lacoste. Apparently, he had noticed her um, creeping around near the Randall cabin. And uh, she had a blue and white dress on, and there was uh, blood and brain spatter on the dress. Gross. Didn't even bother to clean the murder dress. Right? Or maybe she'd wear an apron or something. Something. We're not murder people with the blunt side of an axe. Dexter style on it, because they didn't really have plastic or anything in those days. Those were tough times. Rubber, She would need, like some sort of canvas material right and just heavily oiled canvas and then you know maybe not wear the clothes you murdered the, someone repel in. all the fluids yes yes lovely lovely so she's arrested by sheriff lacoste and charged with the murder of the randall family and so now while they're all in jail well, not all in jail, but, well, Clementine and her father, and I guess they had arrested her brother as well on suspicion of murder. So now it's January 20th, 1912, and another family is murdered, this time in the Lake Charles area, and the victim was Felix Browsard, his wife, and three children. So, and, so now we've got Clementine and the rest of her family is locked up, mm-hmm. and then also the original guy that they thought that got her father. That was the first guy that they arrested? That was the first guy that they arrested was oh, okay. her father. So he was already in jail. He was already in jail, and then the Randall murder occurred, and then Clementine was arrested immediately following the Randall murder, basically, because she was uh, found with blood and stuff on her apron in the vicinity. Yes, the filthy <laughs> filthy dress she was wearing. Right. So, and then I guess there was... Um, there was a connection to that uh, they had known about and probably why um, her father was suspect. So they were both members of what it was, the Church of Sacrifice. It was a uh, voodoo church. And 
I guess, I don't know if it's called a church or a, they refer to it as a sect, so I'm not sure how exactly that works in the, in the, in the voodoo community or whether it was like legit or not, but. Well, chances are it was probably sort of put together like the Catholic church mm-hmm. in a way, because that's what the voodoo practitioners of this time period in this particular place would have been grown up with. That would have been their sort of voodoo because they're getting it from the original place where it didn't have any Catholic mm-hmm. overtones yeah. because they weren't slaves there. But, you know, so okay, probably it's a church and all that kind of thing. Same, yeah. Same terminology. All right. Well, we'll just go with church then. <laughs> that works. So they found out that Clementine was actually living within a block of the Randall cabin uh, at the time of the murder. So she lived uh, very close by. And also then, so then the uh, murder happens January 20th after she is in jail and her father is in jail. Um, This time it was a little bit different with the Browser's murder. They were all hit with the blunt side of an ax, but this time... um, they had like drained the blood from the head wounds into a bucket, apparently from all the victims. Wow. Yeah. And the victims also had like toothpicks almost between their fingers. So all their hands were like splayed out and uh, either small pieces of wood or rolled up paper uh, in between the fingers. That's insane. Keeping them open. And it's, it, it looks really creepy. And so they they actually arrest Reverend King Harris, and he was the pastor of the Voodoo Church. They brought him in on charges three days after this murder because um, the association they had was, I think, Clementine and her father were both uh, members of this church. Uh, He was the reverend of this church, and also uh, there had been a meeting at the church just right down the road earlier that night from where the Randall family lived. And uh, so, obviously, uh, Clementine was not part of that murder, but it was uh, thought to be that it was, you know, members of the church trying to kind of do copycat murders and still carry out, I don't know, whatever message they were trying to to send to people by murdering whole families, but... And taking their blood. And taking their blood. (laughs) Well, the one time, but still. Apparently once is enough. So you get into it a little bit. You know a little bit more once Clementine uh, eventually makes a formal confession to the police. I wonder if she actually just confessed, or if like everyone told her, like, "Do you got to take the you got to take the fall for this?" Right, right. Which might might have happened for sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised because she does claim that she had accomplice accomplices. So, according to her confession, she said that she moved to Lafayette. Uh, three years ago and began to lead a life of degradation and she was with two other women and two men in a place called new iberia louisiana and she met a strange old man who said that he could sell them some hoodoos so i guess the difference between like voodoo and hoodoo i looked it up is that voodoo is the religion that you've you know been educating us on the history of and what's uh practice today still and then hoodoo is not exactly a religion it's um i guess it's sort of associated with hoodoo because it's um it's a form of folk mag magic and it did originate in west africa which is where voodoo comes from so 
I guess, I mean, I don't know how you would classify it as something related to voodoo or... So hoodoo is some sort of magic. Yeah, hoodoo is like kind of like a magical element, and you have charms. So basically, uh, they they met up with this guy who sold them some hoodoo charms for $3 a piece, and the effect of the charms was that they could do whatever they wanted to and uh, not get in trouble with the police at all as long as they had this charm with them. I would say they didn't work, or did they lose the charms? <laughs> I'm not sure what happened with the charms. I'm just guessing they didn't work, is is my take on it. But, so they, so basically her and four other people had met up with these, had met this old man and had bought the hoodoo from him. And suddenly, I guess, when they went back to Lafayette, they were just like, oh, hey, like, will this work on murder? And so, so they gave it a shot. And so they gave it a shot. And so it started uh, with that 1909, the killing of the, the mom and the the three babies. She says, upon entering the house, she struck the woman in the right temple and killed her instantly. Uh, that one of the children was awakened by the noise. And before he could raise his head from pillow, I struck him a blow somewhere near the left ear. And then I struck the other two, the other two children. And that she had gone there dressed in men's clothing, and then she left the house in women's clothing. Uh, and that same night, she went back to Lafayette. So these were the murders committed in Rain, Louisiana, which is, I'm not sure how far that is from Lafayette. A bit. A little train ride. And then next came the family in Crowley, where it was um, Walter um, Byers, I believe, and his wife and son. And she said, in Crowley, I entered the house with one of the women while the other kept watch, and again, she's the one who committed the murder. She struck the man first, and just as she did, the woman woke up. Great. Yeah. Like, can you even fucking imagine? Because I can't. Like, that is no. just... You're just, like, waking up, and you look over and see the ruined remains of your husband's head. Yes. Just and... moments before your head gets right, ruined Right, where so, I mean, she's, like, straddled or standing over them or something to some crazy right. woman, like, with the axe. Oh, man. Ugh. Yeah. That would be awful for just <laughs> until you fell asleep or well this is the thing that freaks me out about sleep squished. too is that stuff like that can happen like anything can happen when you're in like a really deep sleep and you just don't even know until you like all of a sudden you're jolted to reality by your husband's head being caved in by a fucking axe and yeah and then that's it's your turn just not great. i mean i guess you don't feel it for too long no probably it's, a few no yeah Probably doesn't. Hopefully, it doesn't take long because if yeah. you're suffering, that's that's un, very unfortunate. Yeah. So she said she struck. Yeah. The the woman woke up. The wife woke up, and uh, she said I struck her a blow in the face with the butt the butt end of the axe and felled her. I then struck her once or twice more to be sure that she was dead. And then once it was once this was done, it was an easy matter to get rid of the uh, the child. So. They thought it was better to leave him an orphan because then he wouldn't suffer as much. Which I, I tend to disagree with. I mean, I'm sure probably wouldn't have had a great life, but still. Better to kill the kid than leave it an orphan, you said? Yeah, that's what the thought was. Better well, to kill the kid than leave it an orphan. 
I mean, orphans didn't have it super easy back then, but... Yeah, definitely not in, like, at least it's a chance. Louisiana. At least it's a chance, you know? Like, give the kid his own, you know, right to try and make it out there. Or don't kill his parents. Yeah, or don't kill anybody. Don't go on a murdering, an axe-murdering spree. Don't get a charm <laughs> from a guy. I guess this guy's name, too, is he's a voodoo witch doctor, because she later says that gives the name Joseph Thibodeau as the guy who sold them the charms, but sold them the magic charms so that they could commit murder under. And Why would you decide to do that? I would, decide to, I would do so many different things with the magic charm. Yeah, I wouldn't. The first thing I tested on wouldn't be like Okay, let's murder. see if this works. Yeah, let's let's kill a whole family and see if we well, don't get Well, we got away with sure it, we so caught. we must be fine. Yeah. Let's keep going. Let's just keep doing this. Like, what was... Yeah, I just... I did, that just seems pretty odd that that would be kind of like the point and how you would test out the charms and like, well, if we can get away with anything, I, I would be like, let's get away with robbing a bank. I would try like, you know, maybe let's see if we can get a newspaper from this newspaper salesman, you know, <laughs> start real low. Maybe we can steal this apple from this fruit stand. Exactly. Real low. Yeah. Not even like as not high as like, Oh, let's, let's kill whole families. Not killing whole families with, with a blunt portion of an ax. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, not stealing blood. Mm-hmm. Although she didn't actually do that. She was locked up at that point in time. Right, right. But still. So, but the, those were probably her pals, I imagine. See, it doesn't ever really get into that with her accomplices or name them, but supposedly it was her and two other women and two other men that um, bought the hoodoo charms from, from the witch doctor. And so a total then, of five people? Yes. And they've but got they, three but people in really jail. But it doesn't really mention the men being involved in the murders. Every time she says that there was an accomplice with her, it was another woman in, in the house with her. The next family was like the Andrus family. And so this is actually the murder that her father has been convicted of. So this was the third one, correct? Correct. So family number three was the Andrus family. And so she describes going to the Andrus house, and it was another woman that was with her. She doesn't say anything about her father being there, and I couldn't find a lot of information about it, but I think that confession that she makes about the Andrus murder, uh, I don't think it exonerates him completely, but he it does say that he didn't get a death sentence because of that. So he wasn't like sentenced to the gallows to hang or something for the murder. Only life imprisonment. Only life imprisonment. In Louisiana. Racist ass 19 whatever Louisiana. Oh, when I was researching this, it 1912, was. 1912, I believe. 1912, yeah. So bad. So bad, some of these news articles and the way they <laughs> address people. I, I'm not going to repeat it because it's hideously offensive, but it's just. Uh, it's just interesting. That's 100 years ago, and this is. That was just totally fine and normal to At that talk about, you know. At that point, there are still people alive who remember when slavery was legal. Yes. Yes. I mean, they're getting pretty old. I mean, the Civil old, War was like 50. It was, but yeah, it was only like 50 years old at that point. And it's crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Lovely so, American history. <laughs> right? So she describes the Andrus murders. Um, she says that she saw a light burning in the cabin, and, we, and her and her accomplices had decided that it was a good place to go. And so... One of the women entered the house before her, and then she entered and struck uh, the husband first, and then his wife, and then afterwards his two small children, one of whom was an infant in the cradle, 
near the bed. So this is the, the little baby, the 11 month old baby Agnes. Um, it says we had overlooked her until she had begun to cry. So she turned around and um, struck the baby in the cradle in the forehead and, and she said it died instantly. And then it says we took the man and the woman and placed them in a kneeling position and left the house. And this is this is really messed up. So um, remember how I said that the the brother of the wife was the one who discovered their bodies. Yes. Okay. So I guess she was around and in, in the in the area like lurking, which is kind of what got her caught on the next series of murders, I believe. But anyway, the the brother came to the house, looked through the window, and he was crying and yelling and asking for help. And so she said she was one of the first to go to him and ask him what had happened. That's pretty creepy. Yes. And then she helped to wash the bodies and prepare them for burial. Wow, that's pretty... Yes. That's pretty fucked up. Yes. Just, like, damn, that's cold. Seriously. <laughs> She's got... I mean, that's I gotta I mean, her be... brother's sitting there crying, you know, he's finding his sister and his nephew, you She's know. She's like, oh, they're there, I'll help you out with all this. Oh, here, let me help you. Because, I mean, that's what you actually did back in the day was, you did know, if you were yourself, super poor yeah. in those rural areas, and this lasted probably through the Depression area, that usually you, didn't, you couldn't afford an undertaker, so you washed. Just did it your, all yourself. Yeah, you just did it all yourself. You just washed them yourself and bought the coffin and put them in it. And I'm sure it was horrible, but probably less horrible that to them then than us now because of just how prevalent death was in society. Right. It was more accepted and just... You saw it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And now they've, they've made it so uh, weird and gross, kind of like all that. I don't know if you've ever read some of the things they do <laughs> at uh, funeral homes to preserve bodies. But Oh, it's, I've it's... seen that show. Was that show Six Feet Under? Six Feet Under is the shit. I've seen some of that. So. Yes. I yes. have a it, even Hollywood's beyond eye view. all that, yeah, they they were pretty good at at uh, showing what they, a lot of the things they did. But yeah, when you just think about it, it's just it's gross. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that either. I'm pretty sure I do not want to, you know, have things plugged into my orifices to keep fluid from leaking out after they've sucked out all my blood and replaced oh, it. Oh, I don't with care chemicals about that. And... That doesn't matter. I just don't want to be the oh, one you're that okay actually with does that? that. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> You don't, but, mind, you don't mind the violation of your I'm dead. corpse I'm, in no, that I don't way. Care. I'm, I'm not using it anymore. Do whatever. I don't really care. I just don't want to be the person that actually anywhere. has to do that. I don't, I don't care. What am I doing? Yeah. What do I care? I'm dead. <laughs> now, guess. if you're like still in your body for like, you know. I guess that's a, that's a worry for the living, really. That's something only you worry about when you're alive. Exactly. And some people like butt plugs, so <laughs> to them, that might be, you know, a nice way to go. Right? Maybe they'll like uh, just... Be like, can can we use my one from home? Can we use my special? Exactly. Use my magic eight ball butt plug. <laughs> I would like for that to be the butt plug inserted into me when I am getting prepped to have a viewing. Those actually do exist. Uh, what? A magic eight? Magic eight ball butt plug. Oh, like, oh my gosh. So like you can shake it and it, it tells your future or something? Just like a regular magic eight ball does. <sighs> That's terrible. You can get them on Etsy. Oh my god. Oh my god. Why do you know this? It's a friend of mine that makes them. <laughs> really? Are you it's like true. not shitting me? I'm How did your friend come up with the idea for magic eight ball butt plugs? Very creative. 
And it also seems like they have that that ink in them and stuff. Like, I don't... I think it's just water with dye in it. Okay. Well, water with dye in it. I mean, I guess maybe it's not very toxic. It just seems like, you know, you wouldn't want something like that in your ass. Depending upon who you are, it's something for not everyone. Not to judge. I mean, I'm not trying to be judgy. People who want... I mean, they, it's it sells... So there's people you, out there that I want wonder, it. like, I mean, with the the magic eight ball, port, I mean, do you ask it a question like before or after, like maybe some sort of during, like a twerking scenario? Oh, so I see. So you can like see it. Okay, I'm getting a picture of this now. All right. Well, thanks for that. No problem. <laughs> That's great. Magic eight ball butt plug. Sort of derailed that a little bit, didn't I? You did derail that just a little bit, but I was just, I was just actually thinking that it, um, you know, it's like, well, that's better than, you know, using voodoo charms to like kill whole families. I mean, it's better than lots of things. It is better than lots of things because that's, you know, hopefully just done as like a consenting adult. I sure hope so. <laughs> it doesn't involve like the killing of families or other, you know, weird shit. Well, it wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, so she helped Anyways. clean up the body of the people she just bludgeoned to death. She helps clean the body of the people that she just bludgeoned to death. And then after all this happens, that's when her, you know, father is arrested. And um, so she goes on. So this is like the last family, the Randall family. So where there were six killed. So she confesses to 17 in total. So the last family was the Randall family. That was the one where she was caught the very next day uh, with the bloody brain clothes. Lurking around the house. Yeah, I guess maybe she didn't like change clothes this time. Like she Maybe she was like, well, I'm going to help them cover up, the, clean up the bodies, so I'm just going to wear my fucked up brain dress. Yeah. <laughs> like that dress is already ruined anyway. So Exactly. It, it's, it's like when you... Like stain a shirt and like okay this is my painting shirt exactly yeah, so yeah, this now is my, my it, but instead this is like oh this is my murder dress it's a murder dress this is my murder dress come home your wife's wearing a murder dress fucking run right well she just you know she took a lot of care the first time around like changing from the man's clothes to the woman's clothes afterwards and and all that but yeah by confidence in the charms they got family four she was just like fuck it I'm wearing my murder dress that's just how it's working. Confident in the charms they got, apparently, at this yes, point. Yes, well, probably, because, like, up until that point, they'd, like, killed, like, five people, and nobody had uh, done anything except for get her father arrested, I guess. So, anyways, uh, she describes the Randall family. It was it was on a Sunday evening. They had been at a meeting of the God Sacrifice Church, and that after she left, they uh, got an axe from a yard along the way to the Randall's family home, which was just, like, two blocks away. And she killed them all with an axe, um, pretty much in the same style. She claimed this time, though, uh, that she had took it, taken a pix- pistol that she had hidden under a dress, and she also shot Norbert Randall. So I don't know why she felt that was necessary after, you know. So she killed him and then she shot him? She killed him and then she shot him. So I'm not sure if she was trying to maybe switch up the MO a little bit or... That's not, weird. Maybe she was, you know, making sure he wasn't going to get back up. Or, you know, they were at this this church, and this is why they had arrested the pastor after the next murder in January when Clementine's already in jails because they kind of ex- 
also think that maybe the church is putting them up to this, even though Clementine has the claim of the hoodoo charms and testing it out. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So they had just been at a church meeting and then, and the Randall family, okay, and this is weird. So uh, the husband of the Randall family and uh, Timmy is his name, Timmy Randall. And then Alexander Andres, the family before them, those two guys were brother-in-laws. And they both were known to have been at least once to the Church of Sacrifice. Interesting. So something leads me to believe that it's probably not all about these hoodoo charms. May have if been it some ever sort was, of vendetta. or maybe, but I think it was more like they were under orders from the church to get rid of some of these families for whatever reason. So maybe they threatened to leave the church. It's all speculation. It's I all. No I mean, yeah, and you're probably. I'm not going to find a whole lot. No one can really find a whole lot beyond that because the material's pretty dated. You know, I couldn't even find what year she died. Really? Yeah, pretty obscure. Like, damn, Wikipedia. <laughs> so, anyway, so this that was basically the all of her confession right there. So, seventeen. So the and so the Randall family was six. The Andrus family was four, and then uh, the family of three and the family of four. Makes 17, correct? That sounds, your math sounds good to me. Yep. That's a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of fucking people. Yeah, to kill with an axe. The blunt side of an axe. Yeah, so. Anyways, she's um, convicted on October 26th, 1912. And then just a few days before Halloween. Yes, and then October twenty ninth is when she had her sentencing hearing, and she was sentenced to life in prison. And it doesn't. It again, it doesn't give like the date of her death. However, she is known because of these um, of her conviction of these murders to be the first black female serial killer. Well, that's wonderful. At least she has that. Yeah, but as far as anything after the murders or her time in jail there's just nothing she i'm sure prison wasn't a nice that... place back then i'm sure it's not a nice place now but probably especially well not back i mean then. and just the the people you're talking about you know the uh, the poor rural people of louisiana this the only reason they probably even was heard of is because there were so many so many people killed with axes yes because that, that's pretty brutal but anything other than that about her is just uh you know, lost in obscurity. So there's that. There's Clementine Barnaby. Sounds like a, wo- a wonderful lady to hang around with. Yes. I'd have her babysit. You should. <laughs> Come home. Your kids would not be crying. She's trustworthy. Just lock up your axes. You'll be fine. Okay, so I had one more. The, this is a murder-suicide set out of new orleans and it ha- does have like a voodoo element to it so it's a murder suicide of zach bowen and Addie hall uh so some history on zach he was 18 years old when he met a 28 year old stripper named lana and they got married and had two kids and i guess in an attempt to help support them he joined the army and this was this was pre 9-11, so the first tour of duty he actually did was over in Kosovo. And then 9-11 happened, and 
he went on deployment as well to Iraq to bad Baghdad, and obviously saw some pretty fucked up shit over there. Um, I mean, I'd say anybody post nine eleven doing a combat tour, even just one over to Iraq or Afghanistan, you you saw some messed up stuff, and he it, it hit him pretty hard, and he started he wanted out of the army, so he started. Uh, allegedly to fail his physicals on purpose. And in 2003, he was given a general discharge. Uh, But I guess that's... It's not like a dishonorable discharge, but it's not like a regular honorable discharge from the military. So this general discharge left him with no um, lasting medical benefits. Oh, I see. Yeah, including like mental health benefits, which probably would have been good because it... seems to me that he was suffering from PTSD pretty badly following um, his tour in Iraq. I'm sure. Yeah, so anyways, he gets back to America and he splits up with his wife and he becomes a bartender in the French Quarter of New Orleans. And it's at this time that he meets Addie Hall. She was the bartender at another bar in the French Quarter. Ah. Yeah, and it was just, uh, it was very cute. If you could see a picture of them, I mean, they just look like the cutest couple. It's one of those ones I think people are kind of obsessed with this crime because they just seem so ideal together. And they're, uh, they both, you know, both kind of had, like, troubled past. It doesn't really say, you don't know much about Addie's past, but, you know, we know that Zach obviously had some issues and, and went through some hard times. And then Addie was also an alcoholic like Zach. And they both just kind of like to, to get drunk together and hang out. And um, I totally lost where I was going with that. They're a cute couple. <laughs> they were a cute couple. They were a really cute couple. So it was hard for people to believe like how, how badly things, things ended up with the two of them. So they moved in together, and in, in August, August 23rd, 2005, is when Hurricane Katrina hit, and they were one of the few people that didn't evacuate the city. There was a mandatory evacuation ordered, but they decided to stay around. They had an apartment in the French Quarter, so that was the area probably least affected by the hurricane. So they, they didn't have any power, but... Um, it seems like their apartment was still in a, a livable, livable condition. It wasn't, you know, filled with water for months. Like right, some of the right. Other so they actually had a, a dry place to stay. They actually had, a, like, a dry place to stay. And it was, for the two of them, it was kind of like a really great camping trip. They would uh, serve drinks to people that were happened to be passing through the neighborhood. And they would trade drinks for water. Uh, apparently, they became a little bit of a local celebrity. Like, they were interviewed by the news a couple of times. Because um, they're trading drinks for food. For because food they're trading stuff? drinks for food, and just because, yeah, they're just kind of this kind of young, carefree couple, just having a great time in the wake of this terrible disaster that had come upon their city. But um, also, I guess she probably got a little uh, infamy because I guess their neighborhood was patrolled by the police that were there more often than than other areas because she would uh, flash her tits to the police officers oh. when they came by. They're like, hey, so, check this out. Yeah. It's like, let's, let's take a stroll down down Titty Lane. Although I'm sure they're fairly used to that being probably, New Orleans cops. Probably. 
Probably so, but I mean, maybe not always like cute chicks like Addie. She's like this cute little uh, kind of, you know, not not really like emo, but you know, just like to wear like pig, you know, kind of a free spirit, pigtails and sun shaped, star shaped sunglasses tied. Kind of a hippie, a little bit. Kind of a little bit of a hippie. Yeah, she was pretty cute. So I imagine. You know, that had a lot to do with the fact that they got they got extra patrols because, you know, there's a lot of looters around New Orleans at the time after everybody left. So Oh, I'm sure. So it was good to have it was handy to have the police patrolling fairly regularly in your neighborhood if you were a holdout. Definitely true. So after uh things got back to normal in New Orleans following Katrina is kind of when Things just really went south for them as a couple. Uh, they were just drinking excessively, uh, doing a lot of cocaine, and fighting constantly. And Addie had even mentioned to the landlord, to their landlord, that she was going to throw Zach out because she had caught him cheating on her. And I don't think that was ever really confirmed or not, but rumor had it was that Addie was actually a pretty... Uh, mean drunk like she was kind of the abusive one. Oh really yeah yeah she was like tiny like if you see a picture of her and zach together she barely clears his nipples maybe she doesn't even clear his nipples when she wraps her arms around him it's like almost where his pants are right like right around his right his, like hips yes exactly so she was a tiny wee thing but i guess she had a really uh, hot temper and she was kind of a mean drunk so she would get drunk and kind of berate him quite a bit anyways um she notified her landlord that they that she wanted to have his name taken off the lease because she was going to throw him out for cheating and then i guess that night they have a fight and he ends up strangling her oh really yes so he strangles her and 11 days later Zach Bowen goes to the Omni Hotel in New Orleans and goes onto the roof and security footage shows him several times and eyewitnesses to uh, he went out to the ledge and kind of looked down and would kind of go back, go back out to the ledge, look down, go back. He did this a few times before he finally jumped to his death and was found face down in the Char- on the roof of the Charles Street garage. And so when they find him dead... They also find, wrapped in a plastic bag, a letter and his dog tags. And in the letter, he describes what happened after he strangled her. And it basically starts off with saying that he's killed himself because he has to he has to take his own life to pay for the one that he took. And he says that uh, on October 6th that he strangled her and that it was over very quickly. And that once she was dead he cut her up into pieces. So the police start reading this letter and they go immediately to his apartment and they find like, it's basically out of like a horror movie because he had dismembered her in the bathtub and he put her head in a pot on the stove and had cooked it. Really? Yes. Cooked her head. Cooked her head. And then her hands and her feet were in a pan in the oven like on a cookie sheet uh i think more like a casserole dish oh okay and same with like her thighs were also in another casserole dish 
Wow. And then her torso was in a plastic bag in the refrigerator. That so sounds... that hadn't been cooked yet. At least he's keeping it fresh. Yeah, I guess so. I imagine it would get pretty pretty disgusting if you left it out there. So were there, like, long. fucking bite marks on her and shit, or no? No, that, well, so it kind of goes back and forth with the different sources saying he did different things. One, say, one said that the crime scene had cut up potatoes and carrots, but they hadn't been cooked. Others say that some of the, like, her thighs had been seasoned and it looked like maybe somebody had gnawed on them. Jesus. Yeah. But when he killed himself and they did the autopsy, there wasn't any evidence of human remains in his stomach. So So he probably didn't actually eat her and just all the reports didn't about actually her just eat her. I think he was trying to maybe get rid of her body in some way, although I would think that somebody somebody who'd been through the army and everything too you can't you can't cremate a body in a fucking apartment oven no like a home oven that's just not gonna work you can't cook somebody you can't cook somebody or burn somebody with anything that you have on hand in an apartment not unless you're really weird or maybe not unless you like have a building that has like an incinerator or something but even then it would probably be a shitty one and they didn't have one so that idea is out because they weren't living in, like, an apartment complex. No, no. It was just a little apartment. It was a little apartment that was above a voodoo temple, no less. A so, voodoo temple now. Yes. So this is this is why there's kind of, like, this uh, weird voodoo, possibly voodoo element to it. Um, I will get to that just one second. Uh, as far as the crime scene goes, so, yeah, all of her body parts uh, were basically cooking in the oven with the exception of her torso, which had been placed in the refrigerator. And he spray-painted the apartment, all these messages, and it is just, you should really look at the crime scene photos, because it's it's just really creepy. It's like right out of a, it's right out of a horror story. So some of the things that he uh, spray-painted on the wall was, please call my wife, I love her, and he was referencing his first wife that he had married, Lana. And then he also wrote on the walls, I'm a total failure. He wrote, look in the oven. But then in the oven on the, the doors, it's on black spray paint. It says, don't look. And so it's everything's like a black wow. spray paint in giant letters all around the apartment. I mean, it, it looks, you know, aside from all the body parts cooking on the stove. I mean. A little bit of internal strife there. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And then, obviously, then he killed himself by jumping off a building, no less. That's kind of... That's kind of a weird way to do it. It seems like... I mean, if he had access to all those drugs and... Yeah, that's just... You know, I mean, he was he was in the army, I'm sure. You know, he knows how to work a firearm. Seems like, you know... It's just odd that he would he would jump off a building of a hotel. But he didn't have the forethought to put this that the confession in a plastic Ziploc bag in case, you know. And it seems like, you know, he sort of walked for it to to the edge and then Right. He wasn't even he wasn't even like hundred percent. He's not like, you know, sea captain dude from our last episode. Right, didn't slicing his neck and then ripping the stitches out and 
yeah, he, he seemed pretty hesitant, and the fact that he cooked her, but he didn't really eat her is also very strange. There's another thing, too. Um, there's various sources. Some say that he had sex with her body before he cut her up, like after he strangled her. Like he kept her for a couple of days having sex with her body. Jesus. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I mean, that like that bugs me more than anything. Like, more than cutting her up and just just a violator in that way after he's strangled her. Just, that's really fucking dark. That's really fucking dark. It is. I mean, even more than cooking somebody, I would think. Like, I well, mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty out there, too. To do somebody that you allegedly loved, too. Like, usually if you kill somebody, like, in a rage like that, but you love them, like, you're, you don't usually do that kind of stuff to their body afterwards like it was and it seems like you wouldn't wait 11 days if you if the guilt was eating you up it seems like you would be a quicker a right quicker and turnaround time to commit suicide and it's very odd too because it seems like he could have almost got away with it if it this had been going on for 11 days and nobody even notices that she's not around i mean the landlord pretty fucking irresponsible to me if, if a woman came and said that she wanted to kick her boyfriend out and then I don't hear anything from her for 11 days. Seriously. Just be like, huh, I wonder hmm. what happened. I bet she went on vacation. Probably. It's very strange, but it almost seems like he could have gotten away with it, especially once he dismembered her. He could have easily gotten her out of the apartment. But, I mean, he didn't have to cook her, for God's sakes, to get rid of her. Right, he could have just thrown her away a bit like, at a time. Cutting her up would have been the really hard part, but if you manage to do that, you can just, you know, use like four or five garbage bags to haul out various parts probably wouldn't even look suspicious at all no especially i mean if you're already if it's chopped up i mean as long as it's not like a big human shaped you know (laughs) corpse shaped plastic (laughs) don't pay attention it's just a weird shape of my garbage yeah (laughs) i have to throw it over my shoulder to get it out but nothing to see here so it's it's very odd that he kind of did this stuff to her and then maybe seemed like he really regretted and was uh, like pretty disgusted with himself for what he did because of all the stuff he wrote on the walls. And he said basically that, you know, he's a horrible person and he always has been. And that, that to me is what speaks PTSD to me like a lot because a lot of people who've, um, you know, been on like combat deployments and are veterans, um, they, they seem to have, there's kind of a theme I've noticed where, like, you come back and think you're a monster because of, like, what you've seen and what you've done and that you can't talk about it with, like, you know, every people that haven't experienced it because if people did know what had happened, they, they would think that you were a terrible person and wouldn't love you anymore. I don't know. Just, you know, my, my brother did, like, five tours and he's got a lot of friends that are veterans, so... I, it, a lot of them have had issues with PTSD, and I've just noticed that kind of theme a lot of, I'm a failure, I'm a horrible person, that kind of thing. It would be a hard thing to go to do to be in the military, especially mm-hmm. in wartime like we have been for many years now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, anybody even doing like one tour of duty over there definitely saw some fucked up shit, for sure. So... He also had burned his body like 28 times, 28 cigarette burns for each year of his life to pay for um, his sins, I guess, to pay for what he had done wow. to Addie and uh, for being a failure as a person. So one of the messages said, you know, please help me stop the pain and 
yeah, it was just, I mean, the whole thing is just so sad. Could I mean, it's terrible been... that he killed her, but, I mean, clearly, clearly at some point after killing her and doing this awful thing to her body, he then felt severe remorse and mutilated himself and then jumped off a building. Could have probably been avoided if he had had some help. Some medical care and help, Some medical perhaps? care, yeah. Yeah, that that might not have ever happened. And then um, there's those that believe the, the, the voodoo element to it, the fact that um, they lived above the voodoo shop, I think is kind of just a coincidence because I did some research on the voodoo temple of New Orleans and the name of the woman who runs the voodoo temple that they live uh, above is Priestess Miriam. And it's just, the temple's just about, like, self-help and, you know, enlightenment and having a better life and probably just follows the, you know, traditional teachings of the voodoo. The stuff that voodoo's about, right. Yeah, and the thing that gives me a little bit of pause on this case, though, is I watched a documentary that talked about how, you know, New Orleans is, like, a very haunted town and there's a lot of spirits around and that he might have gotten possessed by some kind of evil or malevolent spirit when uh, they were holding out for Hurricane Katrina. Possible. Because there's all these spirits around and nobody to tend to them. I think, I mean, the voodoo culture itself is kind of about being inhabited by different spirits and learning from them and then having them leave them by. Like when the spirits, because you saw those people who were like stabbing during, themselves. During the ceremonies, yes, oftentimes they spirit will possess a person's body and sort of run around for a little while. Right. So they're thinking, some are saying that kind of the same thing happened, except, you know, it wasn't during a ceremony, but that there were so many spirits running around the city with nobody to feed off of. That one got in. That one got in and, like, attached himself to Zach, and he was basically just possessed by a demon, if you will, when he committed this murder, and that perhaps at some point the demon left, you know, and he was, he saw what he had done. And then felt remorse. And then that's when he decided to kill himself. Right. And, you know, burned himself and wrote all those messages on the, I would say it's probably a mental health issue and less, less a demon possession. Probably. So that, that would probably be my guess. Although it, it is odd. I would classify that as a stranger than murder for sure. Murder, that's suicide. It doesn't true. Because it didn't really fit into a traditional murder-suicide. Uh, usually with murder-suicides, it's pretty quick. You know, you kill the person that you intend to murder, and then you kill yourself. And it's the, one two, right after the, the other. two events, yeah, are pretty close together time-wise. You don't wait 11 days and cook them, but then not eat them. I mean, if you're going to cook someone, just right. eat them. Right, typically, I mean, yeah, I mean, cannibalism happens, and I've read it's actually... Um, an act of anger, like you have extreme anger at the person that you're eating, or like, you're oh, I fucking hate freak, you so much, you know? I'm gonna eat the shit out of you. Uh huh. Yeah, something like that. Or you're just like a total psycho, you know, one that does it to to any person for any reason, like you know, a Dahmer or Albert Fish type. But but yeah, if you go to the trouble to cook somebody, you're usually gonna eat them, and it's usually an, an act of rage. So the fact that he kind of only went halfway with that as well. It's just odd. Half-assed cannibal. Half-assed cannibalism. Almost a half-assed suicide.
I mean, maybe. The, yeah, I. It's not like he just went and left off the building. I mean, you know it's going to kill you if you go up to the. If you go high enough, you know it's. Yeah, I think like, that was oh, the maybe point. I should just check real quick. Yeah, I mean, I can see it being scary, especially if you know you're a religious person, and so you're wondering what happens afterwards. Everyone wonders what happens afterwards. Well, yes. But if you're a religious person, then you know you just killed someone, then you're pretty sure what's going on after you die. Yeah, I would. I yeah, just jumping. That's a hard one. I would totally not choose that as my way of suicide. Me neither. It takes a lot to like throw yourself off the edge of something. That just goes against all your... Well, I guess if you're killing yourself, you're kind of going against all your, all you know, your... survival instincts. Right, right. Because you don't want to survive, you want to die. But still. That's some serious shit. It is some serious shit. And my opinion on it would also be that it was most likely... It was it was demons, but it was personal demons right, that Zach right. had. Not external, that caused him, yeah, supernatural. That, that caused him to snap and kill his girlfriend. And then at some point, you know, I think it, it, it was more like a psychotic break. A with descent. him kind of Yeah. And then kind of a realization of what he had done, followed by extreme guilt and killing himself. But very sad. That is a sad story. It is. You know, there was one thing I did want to say. I found this uh, little saying on word porn, and I'm like hugely sentimental and love word porn on Facebook. Do you re- do you remember word porn from Facebook? I Nate? do. I do remember word porn. Nate deleted his Facebook. I'm very upset about it. Still, she'll get over it someday. Uh, no, we'll just mention it every podcast until you put it back on. So <laughs> that won't get old. It will get old. That's the point. It's fine, folks. I'll just cut it out. We're not cutting this out. We're not going to cut out Facebook shaming. I'm very upset about you not having a Facebook anymore. And I will find my word porn quote in just one moment. On Zach and Addie and the terribly sad story is that two broken people will either fit together perfectly or destroy each other beyond repair. And so clearly this was like, you know, two broken people you know, destroying each other versus fitting together perfectly. And that is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Destroyed is pretty, that's pretty final. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, that's all I had. All right. Well, and then uh, on that extremely uplifting note, this has been an episode of Stranger Than. We have been talking about voodoo. And uh, thank you for listening and good night. Stay tuned for more. Do you enjoy the Stranger Than podcast? Please let us know. Rate and comment on iTunes. Check out and like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash stranger than podcast, our Twitter at underscore stranger than, or drop us an email, stranger than podcast at gmail.com. That's stranger than podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, feel free to email us any strange, mysterious,